Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Tuesday, April 20th. Happy Dog Coin Day, or whatever you celebrate on 420. It's uh, the afternoon, and we're doing running back rankings with Emery Hunt. Uh, you can check out wide receiver and tight end rankings in the feed. We'll be ripping through more prospect position rankings as the week goes on. A reminder, if you want to see us, if you want to see the energy and the flow of this podcast. You can watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six, little dirty secret or not dirty secret, just a secret, I guess, is that the sometimes, uh, you can get the pick six episodes before the audio drops. So if you're itching for to watch it, go ahead and subscribe to YouTube and you'll get an alert when a new episode shows up on your video feed. Uh, joining us now to break down running back rankings, I believe with a uh, potentially controversial list based on your appearance on fantasy football today. Emory Hunt, what's up, man? What's going on, Will, man? Always a pleasure to come and talk shop with you, bro. Yeah, we got all, we got all lathered up about the quarterbacks and, Kyle, and the number three overall pick. In fact, you know, what's ironic is the conversation, the reason we got all worked up about it. Is because we were saying people won't stop talking about the quarterbacks in the draft class. And then we proceeded to talk to each other about the quarterbacks for the next 10 minutes before the podcast. But, uh, we, we're here to talk running backs and I, I kind of stunned Emery to see, uh, I don't want to call him my guy, but I'm a big fan of his work despite him carving up my team on a K, uh, for three touchdowns, I believe a huge game or he and Michael Carter both had huge games against NC State. Javante Williams, your number 10. Overall running back, why is uh why is Javante so low on your list? Well, I think a lot of people get enamored with, you know, splash plays, and they're great because it kind of draws attention to what the guy can potentially be. But you watch him over an extended period of time and you see some minor issues within this game. You know, vision for me is is number one in how I agree running back. So that is weighted heavily. And I think Williams needs to see the lane before he's able to anticipate it. Uh, so I think that's an issue right there, but he has good power, good balance, good burst. I think he's a good back and don't get me wrong. So I have him with a, a grade that's probably like the top of the second round type grade. Okay. Um, and to be, to be fair, completely transparent. I have the same, I have a half grade. He's a half point behind, uh, the grade I have for Nick Chubb. And the reason why I had Nick Chubb graded that low was I didn't think he was going to regain the burst from that from the injury. It was so mm. gruesome. I was worried about that. So that knocked him down a peg. And so that's why I have, I had uh Nick Chubb with a 77 and a half grade. I think I have Williams with a 77 and that's partly because, uh, you know, I, for Chubb, it was the injury, but for Williams, I just think that he's more solid than game changing. 
Okay. And reminder for those that don't know, Emory actually played running back at Louisiana Lafayette. You could, uh, number 20, I can't see the second number. 26? 26. 26. Yeah. With, uh, who's, who's on the team? It was Ike Taylor and, Ike, uh, Charles Tillman, Fred Camps, CFL Hall of Famer, Kyrie's A. Bear, CFL Hall of Famer. All kind of greats. You guys need a 30 for 30 on that, uh, that you all, oh, that, we got that, three, right. Exactly. Cause Rage and Cajuns team. It was so many stars, man. And coaching staff that are now coaching in the NFL too and CFL. So we, yeah, 30 for 30. I'm all for it. I like it. I like it. And, and I mean, I think that is some good context there. By the way, you can go to footballgameplan.com slash draft guide 21. 21 draft guide. This is, I printed one out. Woo. Look at that. Meaty. Talk about a beast. That's it right there. That's full scouting reports, guys. I love it. So go to footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Absolutely. Right? And purchase that. Make sure and check that out. You have uh, plenty of time ahead of the draft to download that PDF or print it out if you're so inclined. And check out uh, Emery's grades on the entire class. He does incredible work deep diving on it. And, and like I said, I think it matters, too. I mean, you played the position, so you understand. Uh, and I think that's kind of interesting to me to see someone who played running back at a, you know, at a high, a high level at college, talking about the position and, and, and ranking the players. And then the rankings coming out a little bit differently than the consensus, because, and this is not to knock, you know, Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, any of the fantasy guys, but I think a lot of times, you know, the running back rankings get twisted in sort of a group think fantasy kind of way. And, and, and that can be a little dangerous when you start talking, particularly with the NFL draft, where the valuation of running backs has, has, or the value of running backs has dipped in terms of what draft capital people are willing to spend. I mean, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, if they actually Etienne, I don't even know if he's a top 10 pick. Najee Harris is like a top five pick 15 years ago, right? Right. Uh, and, and, and ETN is going high in the first round. Now it's, you wonder if one of those guys will be even be in the top 15 or, or top 20. Um, but, Let's keep moving through the rankings. You have next up at number nine, Trey Sermon from Ohio State. Uh, you know, a guy I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I watched enough Ohio State. I guess, I mean, I guess I did because I've seen plenty of Justin Fields, but watching this guy run, he has some explosive tendencies as well, but uh, some power, right? Yeah. And then the footwork is what I really love. Yeah. I compared his footwork to Amp Lee like, you know, you remember Amp Lee. Good yeah. And, and just the fact that he was able to make people miss at in the open field, he's able to work himself front side to back side along the line of scrimmage. So it's the footwork combined with the vision, which is why I like Trey Sermon a lot. I just think he's more TJ Yeldon uh, than anything. Okay. I thought Yeldon had a good, you know, good footwork, good body lean, always move forward. You rarely saw him lose yards. Uh, so I think both Sermon and Williams are best suited to be more sidecar to or in, or in a camp in a you know committee as opposed to being a lead dog although they can be lead dogs but i think you could maximize their skill set if you pair them with someone else well that's the thing about williams too is that you know he wasn't you know, he wasn't a full time you know he wasn't a, he and michael carter split carries at carolina i mean and that that has to be weighted at some point in there so with your grades on these guys you mentioned you had uh, you know particular grade on on williams it does seem like these top 10 guys are pretty clustered together like there's not and obviously, you know, one is higher than 10, but it doesn't feel like it's a huge separation and that's inside that top 10. Is that, is that fair to say? That's definitely fair to say. And so when people see 10, they get shocked and not realize when the number of value is so much, you know, closer than people expect. Like if you look at, for instance, going back to my 2018 quarterback rankings, I had Lamar Jackson number one with a 90 grade. 
And my number two was Sam Darnold with a 79. That's, that's a big, huge that's, gap. That's a huge gap, right? But you look at these running backs right now, and the top guy may have, you know, an 82 or whatever, but then you kind of see 77 is 10. So that kind of tells you, all right, there's not that much difference between these guys from one to 10. That, that, that is, that is a very important context because you, you know, people see Javante, where everyone else has him three. What are you doing? He can't be 10. It's like, well, he's, you know, he's right. Look at how he slots out. I mean, he could, you know, if I'm off by a little bit of, you know, or if he tweaks some of this here, all of a sudden he's up at five or up at three. And, 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 and that's why evaluation of projection is difficult at number eight, your, uh, running back, Josh Johnson, UL Monroe. I will be honest. I don't know a lot about Josh Johnson. And it's tough for me to give a Warhawk credit, but he is <laughs> outstanding, man. I love his game. He has good balance, good burst. You don't knock him over. You knock him to the side. His vision and footwork is where it needs to be. You go back and watch him against Florida State in 2019. He had a fantastic game. I'm not holding this season against UL Monroe. They had a lot of COVID issues, a lot of coaching issues. But skill-wise, both he and his teammate Josh Peterson, the tight end, um, who's uh Doug Peterson's son, huh. I think that's a good – two uh pro prospects that you're going to see coming out their program but johnson's vision balance and footwork it makes him a good all-around back sort of like how you saw a guy in josh jacobs uh with the oakland uh las vegas raiders same type of skill set good vision good balance good birds just a good back overall okay at number seven javian hawkins out of louisville a uh sophomore who came out you know i think it's louisville's tough because they had you know, obviously, he, and he would have been recruited by Bobby Petrino, who then got fired. You know, you get recruited by Bobby Petrino, you're sort of thinking you're going to play in this crazy up-tempo offense and that produces big numbers. Uh, Scott Satterfield comes in. They had a great 2019 and then a really, really disappointing 2018 that ended with Satterfield flirting with the South Carolina job, much, much to the chagrin of his players. And you feel like they're like, again, you know, you talk about UL Monroe and giving him a pass for COVID stuff. That's one of those situations where you sort of have to examine. I mean, he had 1,500 rushing yards in, in 2019 and a disappointing, I, I guess. I mean, his yards per carry went up in, in 2020, but it just felt like Louisville as a whole took a big step back last year. Yeah, they did. And they had a lot of opportunities to, to really be in a conversation uh, for a better bowl game. But the defense just kind of let them down and they just have inconsistent offense. And I think when you look at Hawkins, for me, he was much more like uh, Kenneth Gainwell coming into the season, I thought. And then I thought this year kind of showcased some top tier ability. So that's why he kind of made the jump, in my opinion, uh, to where he is on my list. I love the speed, the explosiveness. And he's one of these guys that you can see. And I know you got to trademark this Kyle Shanahan offense, but the fact that he uses <laughs> these backs in the outside zone type way, I think Hawkins in a situation like that would be a, a home run hitter. All right. So if you had Javante Williams top of the second round, I mean, do you think all is it? How many running backs do you anticipate going in the first round? One to two. I one to two. Okay. One to two. And, and that's, you know, the guys we'll talk about later, but, uh, right now. So like all, all these dudes that we're talking about are really like day two. Day two picks. Okay. Cause I, I think it could end up being a little bit like it was last year where you see it will Najee, the names aren't are pretty obvious. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. Um, and there's a sneaky one that you've got listed up there, but you know, one of those guys goes in the first round, maybe two. Um, the odds say it's going to be one, but then 
we saw this last year where it was like a, a huge run of, of running backs. Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, uh, A.J. Dillon on the back end of that run where teams are willing to spend that second round pick on a running back because it takes the pressure off that player. You know, you don't have to – now all of a sudden it's not a first-round pick who has to step in and, and dominate, and you get more positional value by using that second-round pick. I think we could see something similar just because of the the skill level of some of these guys. I would expect all of these guys to be gone by day two. Okay, by the end of day – so by the end of round three. Yeah, okay. round three, all of these guys in the top ten should be gone. Okay, uh, I would assume that includes Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech, another ACC uh, guy who I believe transferred from Kansas after Puka Williams appeared, right? Is that correct? Oh uh, No, he just grad transferred. I was oh, he at, grad transferred. Okay, that's what it was. Right. I was at the Boston College game last season in 2018 right. when he pulled off the upset, and I was like, man, I, I was all excited. I was like, this guy's going to be my, you know, sneaky – Power five sleeper that's rare, right? Yeah. But you go, he goes to Virginia Tech, gets more carries and showcase what he was showing in limited opportunities at Kansas. He's an explosive back game breaker. I think he's a three down player, but also four down. If you count special teams, I think that's where his immediate impact can be as a kickoff and punt returner. Uh, but as a back, I do feel as though he has a home run hitting capability. And that's the other common theme. It's vision and Game breaking ability is what I look for in backs because we talked about this a little bit, you know, throughout this, this pod. The, 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 uh, fact that the position seems to be pushed down a peg is not like it was once before. So the quicker you could ring that cash register up, the higher your value is in my opinion. That's why I tend to have a different look for, you know, my top backs as opposed to, you know, everyone else. For sure. And hey, look, you know, you go to the second round, you don't have to deal with a fifth year option. So that means you're going to get to a next contract, uh, faster than you would if you were a first round pick. So it's not always a bad thing. By the way, Khalil, uh, Khalil Herbert, interesting because he was, you know, took a second senior year, a grad transfer year, which is not something you typically see a running back do, but he comes into the NFL with just 475 carries. That's a, that's a, a Sunday at the park for like a guy like Derrick Henry. I mean, you know, I mean, so or AJ Dillon, some of these guys that they just fed carries to and they have all this wear and tear on their tires. 475 is not bad at all for five over the course of five years, especially when half your runs be, you know, long touchdown runs where they don't touch you. So sure. Like, yeah. That always helps. Sprints out there. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's not, that's not a painful way to do it at all. Uh, let's take a quick break when we come back. The top five running backs on Emory Hunt's draft board. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. 
What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At number five. Coming in, weighing in. I'm uh, just kidding. Oregon State's Jamar Jefferson. I like him, man. He reminds me a lot of Kareem Hunt and his weird mm. athleticism and how he's able to see things and, and get his body in position to get there. Like, with the running back, we kind of know our own limitations. He's like, oh, I see the cutback lane, but the way my athleticism is set up, I'm not <laughs> able to get there, right? But Jamar Jefferson is someone that can definitely see it and get there and also has that element of explosiveness. He is a good weaving type runner. You, you think in terms of Aaron Jones. That's how I see Jamar Jefferson, just tremendous tailback. Okay. And a little bit of straight. He's not, not, I mean, overly big or anything, but 5'10, 206. I mean, he's got a, that has a little bit of bowling, not, I don't know, bowling ball, but I mean, like he's got some power to him, right? Yeah. I think he's, he's ideally at 215, 217, something like that. Uh, you know, everybody wants to drop weight for, you know, their, their pro day and their combine and stuff like that. But I think he'll traditionally play at about 210, 215, something around that area. Okay. At number four, an explosive guy. Oh, by the way, I gotta point out, since we're already up to number four, no Chuba Hubbard in here. No. And yeah. the thing with Hubbard is, uh, I think you see this a lot with high school guys coming out now. And this is the philosophy that has changed since I was in high school, right? Um, we ran mostly out the eye formation, but now sure. everyone's running out of spread. And so they're running through gaping holes. So if you have Olympic speed, and a hole is there, you're going to score a lot of long touchdowns. But when that hole is closed and you have to make a decision and try to pick and slide your way, some guys can't do it. We saw this with Jonathan Gray when he was at Texas. He was, quote, unquote, the greatest high school player to come out of Texas, goes to UT, and can't beat out Malcolm Brown because he has to be able to find his vision and find his ways. And some it, that takes time to develop. So I think Hubbard, San Francisco, would be mm. a good spot for him. Outside zone, lane is there, hit it, go. Okay. All right. I, I'm a big Chuba Hubbard fan just watching him play, but you're right. I mean, he's not exactly, you know, he, not like he's a top five running back, uh, for sure. You have at number four, Puka Williams out of Kansas. Yeah. Puka who, uh, phenomenal speed, phenomenal speed, footwork, agility, crazy, you know, make you miss type ability. And he was running inside at Kansas. So it's not like he's a quote unquote space player that people like to throw on these tags with guys that are under 180 pounds. Now he was running inside like an old big 12 running back used to do. Uh, so I just think that he is someone that you can trust in your offense. Granted, yes, projection wise, somebody's going to take him later and someone's going to try to make him a space guy, but he's going to be an impact player. He's a home run hitter and I love his game. And the fact that you watch him do all those things. And understand that on one of his feet, he doesn't have toes because of a childhood accident. 
it makes what he's doing even more special. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, Puka is an explosive, explosive player. Uh, he's, I mean, I think he is, obviously he's not, size-wise, he's not exactly huge, right? 5'9", 175. So you're, I think you're looking, you're not looking at somebody that you're drafting as a feature back. Maybe more of a Naheem Hines complimentary, a more explosive Hines, maybe. Right, the Rick Cohen, those type guys that you know yeah. that can help you out. Um, and you pair him with, uh, you know, a Javante Williams or someone like that and, and have yourself a really good backfield tandem. Yeah, it feels somebody, I, I would guess round three for Puka Williams. I know you've got him higher than that in theory, but I would be a little surprised if somebody grabbed him in round two. Right. And you look at him more initially as a special teams value player too. Uh, so you find ways to get him the football in his hands because he can, he can do great things without volume. And that's another element of, of being a game breaker that, that makes, you know, guys like him enticing to these teams. All right. At number three, I think people will be a little surprised. He's my number one. Travis Etienne, your number three running back. His explosiveness doesn't make sense, man. This guy can get from zero to a hundred in an instant and is able to just, you know, explode through a hole and explode past angles, outrun angles to the end zone. I like how he went back and was able to work on his, you know, passing game. That's the element that people wanted to see from him uh, last year that we didn't get to see. So he went back, worked on that, became more of a threat down the field. So he's one of those backs that I would take in the first round, absolutely, because he's a game breaker. Okay, but he's still, so he's still, but he's just your third running back. What what are the weaknesses for Etn? Uh, and do you see any value there, Etn plus one six? Because you can have your grade all you want, and you can also recognize as a draft evaluator and as a predictor that you know teams may there there are teams out there who have Etn at the top of their board. I mean that's just how the NFL works. You're, there's not a consensus when it comes to this stuff. So. Um, you know, what are, what are weaknesses for ETN that you see? And, and do you see any value there at plus 160 to be the first guy off the board? Definitely see value because he has a home run hitting speed. That's the one thing you can't coach. So I'm always going to gamble on speed. Absolutely. Where I see an area of improvement, I think he takes on too much contact. You don't see much wiggle in this game. He's trying to run past everybody. And in the midst of trying to run past everybody, some guys are going to get in the way. So he tries to run through people. Mm. There's no 18 or 19 year olds. At the NFL level, you can't just keep running through people like that. So you got to learn how to make people miss, be a little bit more judicious in when you, when and where you're going to try to power through some arm tackles. So I think he has to develop a little bit more wiggle to his game and therefore he could have more sustained success. Okay. Right on. Number two, even a bigger surprise, I think, because it's not the Carolina guy that people expect to see. Michael Carter checking in as your number two running back. Not that, not that people are low on Carter, just that. I would say like on a general consensus level, Javante Williams higher than Carter here. Why do you like Carter so much? I think about what I just said about Etienne and talk about taking on too much contact. None of that applies to Michael Carter. You can't even <laughs> He's legit got elite level elusiveness. And that elusiveness is an elite special trait because it's hard to get a handle on him. It's hard to get a good hit on him. It's hard for him to be bottled up because he's able to find a crease or a lane and make positive plays happen. So he's never losing yards. He also has quickness and burst to really be a chunk playmaker at the NFL level. And the vision and footwork and the looseness just makes him an all-around special player, in my opinion. All right. And number one, no surprise, since we haven't mentioned him yet, Najee Harris out of Alabama. The would be, uh, he was a Heisman finalist, right? Weren't everyone on Alabama was a Heisman I finalist? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, minus 145 to come off the board first. Probably not too much, 
I, I guess there's some value in that. I, I wouldn't really want to lay that juice there, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if Najee was the first running back. And we've seen uh, certainly uh, teams in the first round that the Miami Dolphins have been buzzed about as a, a potential landing spot for him or ETN. Uh, same for the Pittsburgh Steelers, although I'm not really buying that smoke screen that Pittsburgh wants a running back in the first round with all these second round guys available. Uh, what do you love about Najee? And, and I mean, yeah, look, I mean, he, you watch him. Everybody watch him play. I mean, dude is pretty good. Yeah, he has, he has good all around game, man. You talk, uh, I'm going to list out a couple of backs. You got Matt Forte, you got Deuce McAllister, you got Steven Jackson, you got Le'Veon Bell. You mash them all together. You can find pieces of Najee Harris's game that compares to all of these guys mm. and all are really good backs. I just like the fact that he has, you know, good body length for a taller back. Normally you see taller backs run tall and run high. Um, and that, therefore him having a good body lean allows him to be able to shift his weight left to right to be able to make guys miss. So he has good wiggle, good vision. Uh, he's a very good downfield threat and receiver, uh, in the passing game. And when people talk about backs catching the football, I think a lot of people get caught up in, oh yeah, he's going to catch screens and swings. No, to me, that's meets expectations. You're supposed to do that. But when I say a guy is a good receiver in the passing game, I'm talking about down the field. You can line him up in the slot. You could have him run receiver routes so he can get himself open. That's where he compares favorably to Le'Veon Bell. So he has complete game, plug-and-play guy from day one. And if you're a team like Miami, the Jets, Pittsburgh, Washington, those are places where I see a, a big need for a running back. Okay. Um, when we look at uh, total running backs in the first round, I think, I think the number was, let's see, we only have first running back drafted at, uh, William Hill, but I believe I can dig up a total running backs drafted prop on my local site just to sort of get a feel for this. If it'll load up here, let's see, number of first round players drafted. They've been taking these things off and on because it's, because of all the movement and they, ooh, they do not have running backs. Would you have any interest in taking the number of running backs over under in the first round? Let's say it's, uh, I'll set it at one and a half and the over is plus 150. Would you have any interest in taking that over? No. I, 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 would go, I definitely would go under. Considering how people treat the backfield now, it's, you know, you got a better chance of Davis Mills going in the first round than somebody taking a running back in the first round, which is sad to say because you want talent first. Um, and that's why I mentioned a team like Washington, Pittsburgh, the Jets. The Jets have that late second first round pick. The Dolphins have a later first round pick. Washington is at pick 19. Pittsburgh is at pick 24, I believe. So that's around the sweet spot for Najee Harris's value, in my opinion. Um, he doesn't have that Adrian Peterson type speed or explosiveness because if that was the case, he, I would push him higher in the first round. So that is the area where I would definitely say you could start to see people in entertain a conversation of taking a tailback. Yeah. And I think too, there's a huge drop off here at, it feels like around 12, maybe the 12th pick or the 13th, depending on how you feel about certain guys like a Micah Parsons, et cetera. Um, and the defensive lineman, obviously the edge guys, but it does feel like at 12, there's this just crater of talent and that's where it's all mishmashed together. So if you're a team like Washington or a team like Pittsburgh and you know, you're not going to move back up in the second round and you believe that Travis Etienne is a special running back, 
and that he can ch- dynamically change your offense. I, I, I'm, I'm not on team and I'm not dogging running backs, but I'm, I'm not on team draft a running back in the first round. I don't think you want to do it, but if you think a guy is a special player and you don't value the other positions around him that, that much or the other players at other positions around him, then I think it, it, it's okay to take a guy there at the 19th overall pick. Cause if ETN is special or Najee Harris is special and they're a game changer and a game breaker, that's better than like, just taking the like Gregory Rousseau because you know he's the top guy on people's draft boards. I mean, you should take the best player available. And I think in this draft, with the weaknesses and the red flags and the questions and the concerns about all the defensive linemen, that maybe the drop off at offensive line, wide receivers deep, but it's okay to take a running back there if you believe he's the best player on your board. That that's the part that I'm glad you brought up because people get it misconstrued. And, and think that, oh, you just saying that to take running backs in the first round. Listen, I'm saying if you're the first round and you need someone that can step in right away and impact your football team, can you score? Can you take the ball away? So if you can score, I'm taking you in the first round. So yes, I'm taking Adrian Peterson. I'm taking Bo Jackson. I'm taking Marcus Allen. I'm not taking Pierre Thomas or David Montgomery in the first <laughs> right, round. Right. You know, I'm taking guys that can affect the game. If you can affect the game, that's a game breaker, and that's someone that's worthy of a top 32 pick, no matter who it is. So find someone that can impact the game. If you're Orlando Pace, I'm taking you number one overall because I haven't seen an offensive lineman that runs a four-whatever, running down the field, blocking guys into the dirt. That's an impact player. I'm not taking someone because they fit a a height-weight-speed profile. No, if you have an impact, I'm taking you number one or taking you in the first round. That's a, that's a first round pick in my opinion. Yeah. And like, that's why I don't get the p- people dunking on the Kansas City Chiefs for taking Clyde Edwards Lair. You know, they went back to the Super Bowl. It's not like he cost them the season and it generally takes till the second year before running backs start to take off in Andy Reid's offense. So I, I expect bigger things from him this year. And I think that that pick may look a little more justified. And it's funny how when people do redrafts of the previous draft, you see all kind of running backs going in the first round. That is true too, because it's like, well, he's great. We got to take him in the first round, and it, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100. percent All right, uh, good running back talk, Emory Hunt. You're the best man. Thanks for doing this. We will, uh, we're getting closer to draft season. Uh, excellent running back breakdown again. Make sure you go to footballgameplan.com/slash 2021 draft guide and check out that beast of a draft guide that Emory's got built up. Appreciate it, buddy. Anytime, man. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.